The reasons and causes of dry skin are a plenty. And in today's episode, we speak with Kaylin, who's a dermal clinician, about skin conditions that are attributed to dry skin and also different types of medical conditions that can lead to dry skin as well. Whether you have a skin interest, a skin query, a skin trauma, or skin disease, I warmly welcome you to Heal Thy Skin, a podcast brought to you by Derm Health Co. I'm Marnie, dermal clinician, dermoscopist, and your podcast host. Skin is deeper than beauty, and our mission is to build the largest platform of specialized practitioners focused on skin health and skin empowerment. Join me each week where we go deep into the skin and beyond to hear stories and education from leading practitioners on a journey of skin health. This six-part special series podcast was made possible by our fabulous partners, Dermotherapy. And this special series really is deep diving into dry skin conditions. It's also known as cirrhosis. You will be learning about the cause, the therapies, and the stories behind dry skin conditions. Approximately 50% of people over the age of 40 experience dry skin, and it's likely that most people will experience dry skin somewhere on their body at some point in their lives. So this series is relevant to everyone. Dermal therapy aligns with the Derm Health Co values because their products are accessible, which is super important. They can be found at most pharmacies and grocers, plus online. They're also made using evidence-based ingredients. They have clinical studies to back this up and they're dermatologist recommended. So you know that it works. Another big tick is that Dermotherapy is Australian made and owned. Go Aussie. Dermotherapy's range of products for very dry skin are not only hydrating, they also have unique keratolytic properties. And this helps with dead skin deposition and removal. So throughout the series, you'll be hearing more about the results and clinical studies using the Dermotherapy products. And we are so excited to bring this series to you because it's the first of its kind. We've never seen this in podcast land where there's a special series dedicated to one specific skin condition. It is different to our older traditional podcast where it's one different episode each week. And we thought um, we know that our community loves to get really deep and dirty into a particular topic. And what better way than to create an entire six part series on this particular topic, which means that it's easy to share. It's easy to learn and immerse, and you can come back for later reference or share it with friends, family members, patients, clients, etc. So I'm so looking forward to bringing this to you. I think you're going to love it. Um, we would love to hear your feedback on how you find this special series as well. So make sure that you tag us if you're listening at dermhealth.co and also ensure that you're tagging out wonderful partners at Dermotherapy as well. Okay, let's get right in. Dry skin is a common condition and it occurs when the skin lacks the oils and moisture it requires to stay healthy and hydrated. Dry skin can become uncomfortable, itchy, red 
and scaly. It can be a result of environmental variables such as temperature, dry air, but it's also brought on by medical diseases like diabetes, dehydration, eczema, psoriasis. Although dry skin sometimes is temporary, there are certain types of skin conditions that can last year round. And in today's episode, I'm speaking with Kaylin Jagger, dermal clinician at Skinfluence Clinic. She speaks about various medical dry skin conditions. So Kaylin has a degree in a Bachelor of Health Science and also postgraduate studies in skin cancer. For the past three years, she's been on the board of the ASDC, which is a peak body of dermal clinicians and the industry alike. It stands for the Australian Society of Dermal Clinicians. Kaylin is really passionate about the skin and its complexities and educates her patients that she sees every day on their presenting skin concerns. She aims for her patients to feel knowledgeable and informed as there is so much information and misinformation out there, as you know. So I started by asking Kaylin what she thought was the biggest misconception about dry skin conditions. So Kaylin, what do you think is the biggest misconception about dry skin conditions? So I feel the biggest misconception about having a dry skin, which it would be that you'd need to drink more water to replenish that or improve your dryness, or that if you exfoliate it away, it will just suddenly improve. Yes, I hear these so often. We are going to be talking more about different types of dry skin conditions today and the reasons why dry skin conditions occur. But before we do that, tell us a little about you, your career, how you got to do the work that you're doing today. So my career began with uh, probably with my own skin conditions. I truly believe that a lived experience can help you find your passion in life and make you maybe potentially better at what you do too. And I say this because I had acne as a teenager and now as an adult, the skin conditions still keep coming and I have melasma and I get flares of perioral dermatitis. So I feel like I can really relate to the patients I see at work. So in a nutshell though, I began in the dermal science degree with Melbourne or Victoria University. And when I went in there I thought instantly this is for me it's a very science-based degree but it's quite niche and all about skin so during my studies I was also very fortunate to work across plastics and in dermatology which is where I am now and I absolutely love it and through this I've been able to work with many incredible practitioners and in one of the larger dermatology practices in Brisbane and so from that I have now come a little bit more locally and I'm now in a smaller team that has um, brought the dermatology concept and an interdisciplinary team to the Bayside suburbs of Brisbane and I work alongside a nurse practitioner and some nurses as well and aside from this main work that I do the clinic's called Skinfluence Clinic. I also do some work with Skin Smart Australia which is using some dermoscopy skills to provide skin cancer checks across Brisbane corporations and I also work sessionally with Victoria University, so where I did my degree to begin with, with the first year dermal science students. So I feel very fortunate and grateful for the opportunities I've had so far. So you definitely have a full plate and you're seeing skin from all of the different scopes, whether it be clinically or more in the, in the corporate setting or even in the university setting. Let's talk about medically dry skin conditions. So are you able to share, we're not going to be able to cover every single one today because we would be here for literally hours, but what are some of the main dry skin conditions that we see? You're right, the list can truly go on, Marnie, but I'll mention some of the main ones which we see in practice all the time. So that would be atopic dermatitis or eczema, 
We have psoriasis, seborrheic dermatitis, perioral dermatitis, some of the more rarer runs, which I may not see really in practice, but is good to really understand as well, is the ichthyosis and its various subcategories as well. And I'd like to also say that there's many skin conditions that can also have these components, almost versions of dry skin. So for example, acne or rosacea can also present with this dryness or dry skin but this is sometimes a result from overproduct use or misuse in general that's really important to note that sometimes it's it's a side effect of maybe a topical or a medication that you're using as well so let's go into further detail of some of these conditions that you've already mentioned so we'll go through a bit of a list we'll talk about what it is how this factor actually leads to dry skin and it's always really interesting to cover the differential diagnosis so if there is a differential diagnosis that you think is interesting then let's chat about it so shall we start off with what dry skin is yeah that sounds great so Basically, dry skin, the medical term for it is xeroderma or xerosis, and we can consider dry skin when the skin actually loses its ability to retain moisture, and because of that, it will therefore um, struggle with maintaining hydration as well, and this will cause a roughness or a texture to the skin, and we can sometimes see this physically on our skin, the flaking and the scale on the skin surface. A bit more specifically, some of the cellular factors that might contribute to dry skin can include a reduction in our lipids, which is our oil components in our stratum corneum, which is that very surface layer of our skin. And some of these examples of these lipids are free fatty acids, ceramides and cholesterol. So we have a reduction of them. We also can have a different ratio of these ceramides, cholesterol and free fatty acids, which also can affect skin dryness. We can also have a reduction in proliferation and proliferation is the increase in skin cell mitosis or turnover. There's a protein called involucrin, and this may be expressed early, which can also increase cell stiffness. And so in dry skin, we have this retention of these skin cells and a reduced water holding capacity. And that's coming back to how we see that dry, scaly skin. And I'm sure we've all seen this dry scale on our legs because I think we all sometimes neglect them and forget to give them some TLC. Then... If we want to look a little bit more specifically, we can talk about some certain conditions. So we'll start with the big one that's quite common. We've got psoriasis. So psoriasis, think about it like this. They are these well-defined silvery white scaly plaques that often affect the limbs, so the elbows and the knees. It can also affect the, the trunk, the scalp, and also less commonly the face. On a cellular level, psoriatic skin has an increased basal cell turnover, which these are the cells at the basement level of our skin, and this leads to thickening of the skin. And then there's a silvery scale that is occurring as well, which I mentioned earlier, and this is due to the premature maturation of these skin cells, and this does not complete its quantification or hardening as it should. So essentially, cellular proliferation pathways are all dysregulated and dysfunctional, which results in this activation of cells that mature too rapidly and then have reduced skin lipids as well. So that's you know generally what is happening with psoriasis. Psoriasis is also a chronic immune-regulated skin condition, which is really important to know too, which is different to some of the other skin conditions we're going to talk about as well. And there are a variety of subtypes of psoriasis. So some examples are guttate psoriasis, plaque psoriasis, flexural psoriasis, scalp psoriasis. It goes on. And there's also psoriatic arthritis, but this is definitely for another time. Psoriasis can be quite pruritic, which means itchy in the severe cases. And this itchiness can lead to lichenification, which is thickening of the skin 
just due to that physical scratching and itching that is occurring. When we're classifying psoriasis, it is usually performed by medical practitioners such as dermatologists or nurse practitioners. And it's according to their distribution, the age of onset, and it, whether it's more of an acute flare or a chronic psoriasis. Then looking at eczema, which is also known as atopic dermatitis, this is different to psoriasis. It presents with less defined areas more redness, more itchiness usually, and it's usually yeah, more like widespread to a degree. It's usually found in the flexural regions, but can also appear on the face and on our abdomen and trunk. There is a bit of a genetic link with atopic dermatitis, and it can be associated also alongside those that have asthma and hay fever. And with eczema, which is slightly different to psoriasis, there are these filigrin gene mutations. And filigrin is a really important protein, a highly important protein actually for our skin, and it actually helps our skin retain moisture and ensure that they mature quickly, or our skin cells mature quickly and thoroughly into the tough outer layer called our corneocytes. Then we have a bit of a rarer skin condition. This is called ichthyosis. And the main one here is the ichthyosis vulgaris. And there are various subtypes of this as well. But the word itself is actually derived from the Greek word, which means fish skin. And so it almost looks like fish scales on your skin, essentially. And it is a genetically inherited skin condition and it's severely dry, flaking skin because these individuals have a loss of that gene, basically, and they have mutations in their filigrin gene. And remembering that that filigrin gene is important for our skin to maintain moisture. And so these skin cells don't do that anymore in this condition. We had Carly Finley, who is an author and speaker and appearance activist, who she has ichthyosis. And it's interesting you talk about this filigrin and it is genetically inherited because the amount of people that she has described in her blogs, in her book, that people have tried to sell her this kind of magical lotion or potion mm. to try and heal, to try and cure this skin condition. And when she explains it, you know, it's something that she faces on a daily basis, which can be really uncalled for and unwelcomed yeah. a lot of the time. But it's so interesting for you to actually share the reason why this actually occurs and the reason why simply applying more moisturiser is not going to cure this condition. Yeah, she's a mate. I do know of Kylie, seen her on social media, and she's such a great role model and advocate for such a rare skin condition. And I think she's, you know, really raising such good awareness for it. Yeah. Another really, this is more common, is seborrheic dermatitis. So tell us a bit about seborrheic dermatitis. So seborrheic dermatitis, it's more common than you think. I feel like I see it almost every other day sometimes, but it can be mistaken for eczema or psoriasis because I guess dermatitis in general, the word itself is inflammation of the skin. And so sometimes it all can present very similar, you know, scale, dryness, redness as well. But with seborrheic dermatitis, it is a common relapsing skin condition. It's also quite chronic often. Um, and it is characterized by more of a greasy scale and that erythematous or red skin that is within those hair bearing or sebaceous rich areas. So it will commonly present around the brows or the beards of males, underarms, the upper chest and the scalp. And when it is affecting the scalp, people often um, tend to call it dandruff. So it's termed that usually. And even though the name suggests it, this skin condition doesn't really have anything to do with the function of our sebaceous glands at all. 
And of course, like most dermatological skin conditions, further research is needed. But the main culprit for seborrheic dermatitis is thought to be the overgrowth of the Malassezia yeast species. So this is actually a normal flora on our skin, but coupled with other exasperating factors such as increased stress and the external environment, it is thought that Malassezia yeast will use the human sebum triglycerides as a food source and then it metabolizes its metabolites, should I say, or its byproducts, oleic acid and arachidonic acid, create this inflammatory response and it then disrupts the skin barrier. And some individuals are just more predisposed to this. How interesting. Yeah. Now, there are lots of different types of dermatitis. So one that you're seeing a lot in the clinic is abbreviated as POD. Tell us a little bit more about this one. So POD or periorificial dermatitis. Yes, I feel like since COVID, it's just, you know, it's just everywhere. And including myself, I have it myself and it's a bit of a struggle. But what it is, this is a very stubborn skin condition. It's quite resistant to treatment because, like I said, there is a further research that does need to sort of go into this. But generally with periorificial dermatitis, it usually affects or is associated around our orifices, hence the name. So the common areas are around our eyes, our mouth mouth, our nose or nostrils. And it appears as this acne form eruption. And there's often little clusters of these small papules and vesicles, watery like vesicles almost, on a red erythematous dry scaly skin as well associated. There's not too much itch or discomfort associated often, but if it becomes quite severe, you know, it can be really uncomfortable. Like I said, it is quite a chronic skin condition. There is definitely epidermal barrier dysfunction and the exact cause is still poorly understood. But some of the pathogens that are associated are the demodex mite, candida, and this fusiform bacteria. And other research has been saying that aside from these potential causes or pathogens associated, a zinc deficiency can also be associated and the use of inhaled or topical steroids, occlusive emollients, heat and wind and friction are also all other things that have seemed to aggravate this skin condition. So over the last two years, we've obviously all been wearing masks a lot more. Are you seeing as the mask mandates and things have been settled a little bit, have you seen that there's been resolution of this or are you finding that it's still quite stubborn? I do feel in some cases, especially for those that have had to wear it way more than normal, I assume, you know, those don't normally have to wear a mask and now they're suddenly having to, I feel like those are finding a little bit more resolution, but I am also seeing the other side of things with it being extra stubborn and treatment protocols that normally would potentially work in the past have been a little bit more resistant or a little bit more tricky these days, I think. This podcast series is brought to you by DermHealth Co. in partnership with Dermotherapy. Dermotherapy Lip Balm Original is Australia's number one lip balm, with one of their lip balms being sold every 30 seconds in Australia. Absolutely incredible. Okay, let's launch back into the podcast. So, Kaylin, through your work with Skin Smart Australia, you see a lot of skin cancers and non-melanoma skin cancers. These can sometimes display dry skin. So let's talk about the importance of non-melanoma skin cancer and kind of understanding the dryness in these conditions as well. 
Yeah, so as you mentioned, there are two, well, there are two types of non-melanoma skin cancers. So we've got our BCCs or our basal cell carcinomas and our SCCs, which are squamous cell carcinomas. And just a little interesting fact before I get into it, about two out of three Australians are likely to have at least one of these before the age of 70. So please get your skin checked. <laughs> it's quite alarming, the number of that. But yes, BCCs and SCCs can also often present as these dry scaly spots that are non-healing so with bccs these are usually a slower growing lesion and they are associated with our basal layer skin cells and they occur on sun exposed areas of the body and are a result of dna damage from uv radiation which leads to this uncontrolled growth of these cells due to like a immune suppressed skin because of the damage from UV radiation. There are different types of BCCs. There are pigmented and non-pigmented and other various subtypes, but clinically BCCs look like often a flat dry patch of skin or raised pimple sore that doesn't want to heal. And then SCCs, on the other hand, they're these growths of our squamous cells and are also found on our epidermis or in our epidermis, often in our case. And these can metastasize, which means SCCs can spread and spread beyond just being in the epidermis. And they present often as these larger, crusty, scaly lumps and are often associated alongside their precancerous form, which is called actinic keratoses. And UV radiation is also a culprit for these lesions because of our damaging UV that we have here in Australia in particular. And so they do often occur on those sun-exposed sites. And when I do perform these skin checks with Skin Smart Australia, one thing I try to educate and discuss with patients is that don't just be alert for those really obvious dark spots. Be alert also for the dry, pink, scaly patches of skin that don't seem to heal because they are often, well, not always, but they can be a non-melanoma skin cancer. And it's because there is DNA damage there and mutated cells that are replicating and they shouldn't. And so the barrier is disrupted and then results in either one of those, which have been just, just recently explained. Mm, really important because I think when we think about skin cancer, you think of a big, ugly, dark mold, yes. which just simply isn't the case. Sometimes these non-melanoma skin cancers, have, as you discussed, can just look like a little pimple on the skin. So interesting. We've covered about half a dozen skin <laughs> conditions, all presenting with dry skin, but the cause is so different. And even the presentation of dry skin is significantly different as well. Let's talk about some medical conditions that can lead to dry skin. There are several, but we'll more cover some of the main ones that we see so you're absolutely right the list is very long and there will be i'm sure many more added over the years as we discover them as well but some of them that may be of interest to us are is chronic kidney disease so this is a medical condition of course and chronic kidney disease is when firstly let's just explain that a little bit it's basically when there's an extensive loss of kidney function and generally in health our kidneys you know filter our blood they regulate our ph they produce some hormones they eliminate toxins and they help to control our blood pressure but although it is not completely understood those with chronic kidney disease can often present with dry skin and it might be because there is this decreased amount of water available in our stratum corneum there can be impaired sebum production from our sebaceous glands and that could be due to the atrophy of the sebaceous glands and then therefore altering the composition of our lipids as well 
Then diabetes, this is a really big topic and I think this could be a whole nother podcast on its own. But with diabetes, briefly, there's two types, but those with diabetes often have cells that are exposed to a hyperglycemic state and also decreased insulin levels, which impair the function of the stratum corneum through this abnormal proliferation and differentiation of keratinocytes in our epidermis, which then decreases our stratum corneum hydration. It also lowers our triglyceride content, which is, you know, one of those lipids we've been mentioning earlier. And then it results in this accumulation of a corneocytes or our top layer of our skin, which then can indicate this suppressed epidermal turnover because they're all accumulating at the surface. The epidermis is also known to be quite a glycolytic tissue which means that the keratinocytes will express these insulin receptors and this exhibits an insulin-dependent glucose uptake, which therefore stimulates keratinocyte migration and proliferation. So, Kaylin, well, firstly, well done on pronouncing so many big words without getting tongue-tied because I know sometimes Mm. the pressure of being interviewed and recorded, (laughs) your mind goes blank and your tongue stops working. Absolutely. Um, So many different conditions, as we mentioned. I completely agree. I'd love to do some more topics on diabetes because the implications on the skin is quite extensive. Absolutely. There are some lifestyle type conditions that will lead or contribute to dry skin. What are some of these? So just simply lifestyle. So in some instances, just simply over cleansing or even just using too many active products or exfoliation in your skincare can create a skin dryness because it's impairing that barrier function and essentially removing the lipids in our skin. So it can be just as simple as that or something a little bit more than that. You could look at something called zinc deficiency. And with zinc deficiency, I found this really interesting because our skin is actually the third most zinc abundant tissue. And our mm-hmm. epidermis specifically actually contains more zinc than our dermis. And zinc is a really important cofactor for over a thousand enzymatic processes. And it's used for cellular development and growth and differentiation. And so zinc deficiency has this suppressive effect on our skin's immune system. Therefore, it can increase the risk of dermatitis in general, irritant dermatitis as well. That then it's very fascinating. Yeah, so fascinating. I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah, it is quite fascinating. So something so simple really you'd think yeah then we have vitamin d so this is particularly relevant for those with eczema but vitamin d is also known to contribute to the role of skin barrier function through modulating various proteins in the skin and regulating ceramides which are essential for hydrating the protective lipid barrier so vitamin d has been shown to decrease the inflammatory response to by reducing the pro-inflammatory molecules and cytokines and inhibiting various immunoglobulins and things like that too. So as people deficient in vitamin D as well can often find they get this dry skin as well. And good old smoking, we should probably just touch on this. There are very many reasons why smoking can contribute to skin dryness, but one of the main reasons being that smoking degrades or breaks down our collagen and elastin and almost ages us much quicker. And the carcin- these carcinogenic chemicals disrupt the, s- the health of our skin overall, which also, which in turn will lead to skin dryness because the skin has this reduced capacity to function as it should because it's being disrupted by all these chemicals all the time and breaking down the collagen and elastin that help to 
give our skin that elasticity and hydration as well. Well, Kaylin, thank you for covering all of that. Smoking, yes, a very big one, but really interesting to hear some of, of those deficiencies as well. Many Australians are vitamin D deficient, especially based in Melbourne. We mm -hmm. see a lot of vitamin D deficiency here in Melbourne. So it would be interesting if you are working with a dermatologist or nurse practitioner or other healthcare provider and you do have some of these chronic conditions, it would yeah. be interesting to see if perhaps you may have some of these deficiencies as well. So what are some of the risks of medically dry skin conditions, especially if they're not managed? So some of the risks would include the increased risk of infection because we have this disrupted barrier function. Our skin in health is there to be a protective barrier. And so if we disrupt that barrier, then we have a higher risk of infection, definitely. We also Interestingly, research has also found that those with severely dry skin conditions, such as psoriasis, especially when it impacts, you know, so much of the body, can actually have this increased risk of developing mental illnesses such as depression due to the great impact on their quality of life because, you know, they may be in pain, they have to use various topical emollients and things like that, which can impact them because they don't feel, you know, almost comfortable in their skin. So that's another almost risk that is associated indirectly yeah um, and also to mention loss of income if they're unable absolutely. to work they may not be able to engage in certain social kinds yes. of activities due to their skin condition so it's very far-reaching and something that I, we have covered in the past on the Derm Health Co podcast is the impact uh, the mental health impact and the emotional health impact of skin conditions and it's definitely not to be disregarded but I think it's still a relatively new area and there hasn't been a lot of large studies on this but I hope in the future that there will be Absolutely agree very much. So, Kaylin, when would you suggest that someone sees either a dermatologist or a healthcare professional? So, the two sort of things that come to mind with this you should really seek a dermatologist or a healthcare professional when something has occurred sort of out of the blue or unexplained and you're not sure. So seek help then. Or if it's been persisting for three months or more, so it's really chronic and it's just going on and on and potentially worsening progressively as well. So those would be the two main things I would consider yeah, when seeing a dermatologist. Yeah. And Kaylin, are you able to provide maybe three pieces of advice for our listeners? Yes, I absolutely can. So number one, I would say, remember our skin is an organ and not a beauty accessory. So go back to your basics in your skincare because often less is more. I think, I mean, social media is great for many reasons, but there's also this whole, like you need all of these things. And we almost look at our skin like it's this accessory and it can just be loaded up with all these various products and fancy gadgets and things, but actually less is more. It's our largest organ and it just needs a few key things that will help you know reinvigorate its function and help it rather than yes. compromise it <laughs> can i just say a hallelujah amen like as you said <laughs> our skin is an organ and not a beauty accessory i love that so much i'm in the background you can't see me because this is a podcast but i'm like yeah. cheering on so that glad. is such a great phrase I love it. Thank you. Yeah, it's. I just see so much. People come in and they have honestly this very elaborate skincare regime and I'm like, wow, I mean, I'm all for it. If that's what you love to do, it's your self-care, go for it. But truly, if, if it just needs a few things, I can assure you. <laughs> My other advice, piece of advice would be to seek out professionals like ourselves, like dermal clinicians, dermatology, nurse practitioners, 
or dermatology nurses and dermatologists to assist you with your skin concerns because you will honestly save so much more time and money and energy by being assessed and educated on your skin's concerns from the get-go. And you won't feel so lost in this big world of skin out there. And my third piece of advice would be to be patient and be kind to your skin and with your skin because results and progress take time. There is no one cream or treatment that is a one-hit wonder, unfortunately. And coming back to our skin as an organ, and because it's an organ, it actually takes time for it to adapt to change and then produce a result because of that change. So be patient and kind to your skin. Yeah, really great advice. Very, very deep, rather, for, for skin. Yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> so where can people find more about you and the work that you do? So most of the time you can find me at my favourite clinic, no, where I work, at Skinfluence <laughs> Clinic. We're located in the Bayside suburbs of Brisbane and we're all just equally as passionate as about skin as I am, I would say. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on today's show. It was endlessly fascinating and interesting, so I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Marnie. <laughs> pleasure. This six-part special series podcast was made possible by our partners, Dermal Therapy. Thank you so much, Dermal Therapy. We could not have made the series without you. One of the key benefits of dermotherapy that we love, besides, of course, its clinically proven results, is accessibility. You can pick up their products most places. The dermotherapy products are available nationwide across pharmacy, so Chemist Warehouse and all other major and independents, plus Woolies, and a select range at Coles. Amazon is now stocking the full range online as well, so you can jump online and purchase or visit them in store. If you'd like to learn more, go to dermotherapy.com.au. What an episode. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording and creating this for you. There was lots of fantastic tips shared and we would love for you to share this online so you can take a screenshot of you listening, tag us at dermhealth.co. Also make sure you tag our partners at Dermal Therapy. And we just want to say a big special thanks to our partners, Dermal Therapy, um, for Digital Health Co. for producing this podcast series. And we look forward to bringing you another episode really soon. Bye for now and be skin powered.